Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The title of the message is Lacking the Fruit. And the scripture we're about to read is going to tell us what the fruit of the Spirit is. And as we read through these, I want you to be thinking about these different fruits of the Spirit and and how that compares to what's in your life. I want you all to know that uh, this message today uh, has convicted me greatly. I've been thinking on these things over the past week and man, I'm I'm ashamed honestly what God has showed me in my own life that how my life does not line up to His Word. So I want you to, not that I want everybody to be ashamed of yourself today, but you know if it weren't for conviction, there would never be any change. If it wasn't for God showing me what's wrong in my life, I would think everything was wonderful. So let's start in verse 22, Galatians 5 and 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now these characteristics, these traits that we just read, they're called fruits because this Scripture is comparing our spiritual lives to a tree. And you know, a fruit tree bears a certain kind of fruit. You don't go to a apple tree expecting to find oranges. You expect to find apples. And that's the best way to tell what kind of tree a fruit tree is, is by looking at the fruit that it bears. So this spiritual fruit that ought to be in our lives as Christians, this is where the conviction comes in. As I examine those things, I look at them and see how many of those are really in my life. And you know, I've known this Scripture most of my life. And I've always known that these were the the good things to have in place in my life. But knowing that those things ought to be there and then actually making sure they are there is not the same thing. And you know, it's real easy to go along through your life thinking, oh, well, I'm doing all right. Oh yeah, I love my family, you know, this and that. You start thinking everything is okay until somebody spells it out for you. So as a as a Christian that claims to be living in the spirit, you ought to see some of these fruits start showing up in your life. You know, this is not a it's not something that you have to go out and buy. It, these fruits are just evidence of what should be going on in the inside, right? Jesus told them over in Matthew 7 and 16 that you shall know them by their fruits. 
So think about that for a minute. If somebody was telling somebody else about you and they mentioned the fact that you're a Christian, would it be a shock to them? You know, I would have to admit before y'all today that there's probably some people that it might shock. Not because I've used profanity around them or I go out and, and drink and, and go parties and hang out at clubs. Not because of all of that, but because of my attitude with people. You see, when I examine those fruits, I see a whole lot of things missing. And I'm not talking about my immediate family. I'm talking about people I deal with every day. You know, I don't see a whole lot of patience or meekness or love. In fact, sometimes it's just the opposite. Now, you see, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you all all about me today. And I'm not going to ask you to stand up and do it. But you need to do it for yourself. Why is it so important that we have this fruit in our life? You know, it's, this all sounds like a good thing when you read it, but why is it so important? Why is it so critical that these fruits be there? Well, if you, what's the point in witnessing to somebody if there's no fruit of it in your life? See, they're going to look at you and people know all about you. Just from what they see. You may think, oh, well, I'm putting forth a good show on the outside. You know, nobody understands how I really feel inside. But people understand a whole lot more about you than what you think they do. And if you go try to witness to somebody about Jesus Christ and these fruits are not evident to them, why would they want to listen to you? Because, see, if you're not projecting anything to them that's different from what they see in any other worldly person, why would they want to go through the effort of making a change in their life? You see, when you don't have joy in your life, you don't have love for other people, you're impatient with other people, just look at the list. You could just go on and on. When you don't have any of that, you're just like anybody else. You don't have anything different in you that they can see and want. That's what these fruits are about. These, these fruits are some of the characteristics of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to call yourself a Christian, that word means Christ-like. That means those fruits ought to be there, doesn't it? That's why I'm ashamed of myself. You see, I've, I've lived my life what I thought was good. I thought I was doing right by knocking out sin every time I can find it in my life. But that's not enough. You understand? To live a, a successful Christian life, I'm not trying to tell you this is going to send you to hell. I'm trying to tell you if you want to be effective as a Christian, with, which your goal is what Jesus said was the great commission to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Why? Just so they can hear good things? No, it's so that they can be changed in their life. They can be turned back toward God and see that there is a reason why I should serve Him. Because these are the things that He's going to bring about in my life. Listen, the only people that really need witnessing, that need God in their life, is those that don't have joy and don't have love. If you've got all of that, 
What do you want God for? Just fire insurance, right? Just to keep me out of hell. So those people need to see something different than what the world has to offer. Turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? That can also be interpreted the greatest commandment. And Jesus answered him, The first of all... The commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. That all sounds good, don't it? All right. See, this is this is where it starts getting rough. I want to explain something to you about love. And I want y'all to turn over to First Corinthians, chapter thirteen. You see, this is where God really began convicting me. Is when I was reading this article written by the chairman of Interstate Batteries. And he realized that there was this problem in his life. You see, the the first, the two greatest commandments that Jesus said was that you love God and then you love your neighbor. So we need to understand something about love today. You see, it's easy to hear that word love and just think, oh, just have these deep caring feelings for them, right? No, I'm going to show you what love is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. And this is the New International Version I'm going to read you. It's a little bit easier to understand, a little plainer. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Oh, did y'all hear that one? It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. You see, that's what love is. Jesus said the greatest commandments was to love God and to love your neighbor. Now, I want you to look at those things I just read. And I want you to examine yourself. And can can anybody here truly stand up today and say that you have loved God and loved your neighbor with everything that's in you? I can tell you right now, I fall so short, I'm not even on the chart because of the way I've treated other people. 
I'm going to tell you all, that hurts me deeply inside. And I, I have repented of that over and over, and I still feel like there is just a terrible lack within me because of how I've treated people. And you know, I'm not talking about just being downright rude and just jumping on somebody. I'm talking about just little snide remarks and my attitude with other people. It is not love. You see? And when it's not love, what do they see? They see somebody that's claiming to be a Christian, and in my case, even a preacher, not living up to what this Word says all to do. You see, I've, I've fallen short. Yeah, I've kept the other commandments. You can look and find them. But I didn't keep the two greatest ones. We ain't even going to get into the other commandments today. I ain't even going to get into the other fruits of the Spirit today. I'm going to talk about love. Because you see, when you don't have that one thing down, everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I haven't cheated on my wife or I haven't lied or I don't steal or I hadn't killed anybody. None of that matters. Because the greatest two commandments I've just pretty much discarded in my life. You say, well, you don't love God? Well, yeah, I care a whole lot about God. But look at the definition the Bible just gave us. How many times am I patient with God? Man, not nearly enough, I guarantee you. I try to push God along all the time. Say, come on God, it's time to do this now. Let's do it. And He just keeps saying, hang on. Does not boast. Is not proud. You know, I don't really ever think of myself as a prideful person. But when I hear it, it stings a little. So there must be some there. I know I fall in the category of boasting every now and then. It's usually in good fun. But you know what's bad about that? Is that you do it enough and people start thinking that's truly how you feel. You see? I'm not one of those kind of people that is real big on caring what other people think of me as a person. You know, some people's going to think bad no matter what. But I'm not talking about me today. I'm talking about what other people see in me. And the thing they're seeing in me is not Jesus Christ. Sure, sure. If I, if I sit down and talk with you, you know, I can drum up enough spiritualness in me to talk to you about Jesus. But I ain't talking about talking to somebody. I'm talking about what they see, what they hear. You know, it ain't always what somebody hears you say to them. It's what they hear you say to somebody else. It's the attitude with which you answer the phone sometimes. Now, I know I ain't the only one here today that this applies to. See, if I was to call you out, that would just fall right back in that same category again. When you come to understand, you know, there's a reason why Jesus said these were the greatest commandments. He didn't mention anything else here. Why? Because, see, if you truly love God the way you should, 
and you truly love your brother the way you should, none of that other, those other commandments are going to come into play, are they? You ain't going to have a problem stealing or killing or cheating when you truly love them the way you should, when you're patient and kind and, and you try to treat other people the way you want them to treat you. You see, I've lived a long time treating other people the way I felt they deserved to be treated. And you know what I get in turn? I get the same impatience and the same unkindness because that's how I've dealt with them. They're going to deal with me the same way. They're going, to, they're going to come to me and say, well, I remember how you were last time, and we're just going to start from there. See, I ain't going to go back to the beginning where I was trying to be cordial and nice. I'm just going to start from where we left off. But you know, there's a way to change all of this. And I'm going to tell you all right now, it takes a whole lot of repenting. It takes a whole lot of prayer, praying and, and seeking God. Listen. Ain't no telling how many hours you're going to have to spend on your knees praying and crying and, and confessing. But there ain't, that's the only way I know to change it. It's to ask God to show you. You know, over in Psalms, I believe it's chapter 139, He says, Search me, O God, and know my, my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. See, David understood something about himself. It was that sometimes he would hide his own sin from himself. And sometimes you need somebody a little greater than you are to point out where you're going wrong. You know, I've been living this way for quite some time. And I come to the point where I realize that I don't have any joy in my life. It ain't because I don't have good things. It ain't because I don't have a healthy family. It ain't because God's not blessing me. Where is my joy? You know, I realize that I can't have joy when I don't have love. You see, those, those go hand in hand. When you don't have love in your heart for God and for your brother, don't, don't expect God to put joy there. And I asked God, God, give me joy. And He said, you need to work on love. How are you going to love somebody when you don't have joy? Well, you just got to start. You just got to start applying what it says love is, you see. I told you all before, don't trust your feelings. You may say, well, I don't love them. Well, you see, there's two ways you can think of love. It can be a noun or it can be a verb. You see, I described to you here by reading this scripture what love is. It didn't say anywhere in there. Let me go back and look real quick. No, it didn't say anything about having a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart for somebody, did it? It didn't say, well, I just feel good when I'm around them. No, it didn't say anything about how you feel. It said, this is how you love somebody. You be patient with them. You be kind to them. And go on and read the rest. I don't remember right now. But I'm telling you, when you begin to apply those principles in your life by force, and I'm going to tell you it's by force, it takes intentional effort. Because my natural person does not care about how you feel about me. 
My natural person could care less if I offend you. You understand that today. I'm being honest with you. But see, there's somebody else within me, the spiritual man, that does care. Because God said this is the way you need to live. God said these are the greatest two commandments. Now I've got to somehow reconcile the two. You know, over Romans chapter 8, He says that you should mortify the deeds of the body. What does that mean? You look up the definition of mortify, you'll see that it means to put them to death. Turn your back on them and head the other way. You see, the deeds of my body say, well, I'm just going to give them attitude when I talk to them. The deeds of my body say, they are coming to me, I can deal with them how I want to. Let me tell y'all something about my job. And I'm sure there's plenty of people here that can identify with this. Because see, what I'm going to describe to you is from a selfish selfish position. But I work in uh, computers, and it just so happens that I'm the one at my company that everybody calls when they have problems. See, people don't call Kevin unless there's a problem. Or at least what they think is a problem. They never call me just to chit-chat, right? I'm sure Kenny can identify with that. People don't call the fire department and and medical services just to say, hey, how y'all doing? No, that's when there's a problem. And you know, there's sometimes that people call that their problem is, is so ridiculous that I feel like I have to have a little bit of a God complex. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And it may be that I've already told them how to fix this problem three or four times, and they just don't get it. I had a guy the other day that needed some help with his personal computer at home. And he had a printer that he needed to know how to hook it up. Well, I explained to him that this particular type of cable, it doesn't matter. You just find one of the places that it'll fit and it'll work. That's all you have to do. He didn't understand. He's an older guy. He's in his 60s. He's not a computer whiz, okay? He said, can I bring it down there and let you show me? Reluctantly, I said yes. And with attitude, by the way. Uh, Yeah, I guess. So he brings it down there. And I'm thinking, because see, God's already been dealing with me about this all week. I'm thinking, now look, I need to have love. I need to be patient. I need to be kind. And he comes in my office and he sets it down. And this guy is just, he's the nicest guy you could ever meet. So I show him. I pull the printer out of the box. We power everything up, print the computer's running, I take the cable, plug it into the computer, and we print something. It works. I said, there you go. That's all you got to do, plug it in. You can tell he's just frustrated. I don't understand why. 
Uh, what have I done to confuse you at this point? I show him, look, you see this plug? And I, I show him, look, see the end? There's only one way it'll go into this hole. And there's three other holes just like this. Pick one. It don't matter. I, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do that when I get to the house. <laughs> I am getting so frustrated at this point, I don't know what to do. But you understand something about what I'm telling you. I know it sounds funny and everything, but this is a perfect example of me not having love. You see, he didn't do anything to justify me having an attitude with him. He's asking for help. But what do I do? You see, God was testing me because the past two days all I've had all day long was printer problems. And this was at 4.45 on a Friday evening. He wants to bring a printer problem to me. A personal printer problem at that. See, God was testing me. He's like, okay, let's see if you're going to apply these principles that I've been dealing with on you all week. And what do I do? I fail miserably. That's why I'm ashamed of myself, guys. You see, God had already spelled it out for me all week. But I hadn't taken the time to pray. Hadn't taken the time to repent. I hadn't taken the time to really say, I'm going to apply this. Yeah, I was looking at it saying, okay, I need to be loved, I need to be kind. But I hadn't really spent any time just really pulling it into my heart and getting out the stuff that was there, you see? You can say all day, I'm going to be loving and I'm going to be kind, but if you don't get that other stuff out first, it ain't going to take root. You see, God has a way of breaking you down. And I remember that. And I don't want to go there. It hurts too bad. I don't want to have to get to the point where God has to break me. If, you, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It hurts. It hurts a lot. And He has to rebuild you then. And I don't want to do that. So see, it behooves me to say, okay, God, I get the message, and I'm going to do something about it. Now I want you all to take all this in. I want you to see love is not a feeling. It's not just a feeling. You see, it takes intentional effort. It takes something on your part that's greater than what they're bringing to you. Understand that now. You see, some people's hard to love. I I I thought I understood that, but I I didn't understand that till now. Some people are hard to love. Why? Well, because it's hard to be patient with some people. It's hard to be kind to some people. I wish I could remember all of them. I'm going to remember them before it's over with. It ain't because it's hard to get a warm, fuzzy feeling about them. It's because it's hard to apply them things on some people. But that's no excuse. It's no excuse that just because they give you a hard time that you have a right to give them a hard time. And you know what? 
what God showed me was that He gave me the job and He put me there. It's my responsibility to handle it accordingly. You know, it's His doing that I'm in a position where I have to deal with people's problems. Now, I need to make sure that I live up to my part of it and honor those first and greatest two commandments. I ain't even going to worry about everything else right now. You know, God spent a lot of time cleaning me up, getting rid of some of that other stuff. I don't understand why He wouldn't have done this first. But I guess it takes a process that I don't understand. That's why He is God and I'm not. 